You're listening to Tavern Talks, a revolutionary podcast from Francis Tavern Museum. I'm Allie, Communications and Marketing Manager. On this episode, Special Programs and Engagement Manager Mary Chaltis Ottominelli sits down with former Francis Tavern Museum guest curator Kim Rice. In 1983, Kim curated a museum-wide exhibition called Taverns for the entertainment of friends and strangers. Parts of this exhibition are still on display in the long room today. In this conversation, Kim describes the work that went into the exhibition and the accompanying book, her favorite moments from the work on the show, and the mysterious tavern keeper Samuel Francis. Let's get started. So the first question is, how did you end up working at Francis Tavern Museum? It was purely through a personal connection. I met Chris Miles when she was working at the Octagon, which is a historic house museum in Washington, DC. It's very close to the GW campus. And Chris was putting herself through school and believe it or not, she was actually working as the maintenance person at the Octagon. Interestingly enough, now I'm remembering this, um, I um, was working on a project in Richmond, Virginia, and I needed a place to stay there. And Chris had a friend who was at the University of Richmond in law school. And so she arranged that. And then she actually came while I was there. And so we started talking about the kinds of things I was doing and she was just getting the job. She was finishing her degree and she'd been interviewed at Francis Tavern. And then she got the job very quickly after that. Our conversations were kind of about the kinds of exhibits we wanted to do in our future careers. And so it happened that when she came to Francis and she decided, hey, there's nothing about that's ever been really done on taverns in general, then she thought of me. And so that's how I got the job. What a dream. (laughs) It was great. And I had been doing other freelance exhibits. So it was, this wasn't my first one, but it was the first exhibit that where I wrote both all the grants and did all the work. Had you had any experience with taverns and research beforehand, or this was truly like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to find everything and we're going to hope for the best. Right. I think it was mostly that, you know, we were at the point in, in our education where there was this shift going on in museums and in kind of in public history, which wasn't actually called public history yet, but it would soon be called public history. We were taught, Chris and I, by some of the people that were kind of in the forefront of that. And so, you know, we were young, we were, you know, 25 or whatever, something like that. You know, we were idealistic about what could happen. And so that was really what my background was. But I did I have any specific knowledge of taverns? No, none. You and Chris sound a lot like me and Allie, where we just (laughs) hope for the best. We think we can do it. And we just kind of fake it till you make it. Uh Uh, Uh-huh. Well, uh, yes, I guess it was like that. Um, Absolutely. It was. Yeah. (laughs) And I came up with a kind of formula that I then, you know, used in my other projects, which was to really learn everything I could learn about what the sort of people were thinking about taverns at the time. That was kind of the baseline. And then I took it from there by all the trips and research and stuff that we did. 
Do you want to talk a little bit about the research that you did? And because it did oh take a couple of years. Oh my gosh, it was pretty extensive. I mean, we didn't, you know, obviously I didn't go to every single tavern museum because there are a lot in the U.S. And, and there are a lot because taverns were that important. I mean, you know, so they're everywhere. You know, I went to the Library of Congress. There were at the time, now it would all be digital, but there were these guides to different manuscript collections. And I just went, you know, I probably spent a couple of weeks going through them, figuring out where the tavern materials were. Mm -hmm. And then I put together research trips and went to different areas of the country. Luckily, this was the colonial America, so it was all the East Coast, and then visited those repositories. You know, I spent sometimes as much as a week in a place, more, I was more like two or three days, usually, you know, I would spend somewhere and then I would go to the next place. A lot of note taking, you know, lots of note taking, no computers at all. So it's all my notes and everything are handwritten. And I was looking for, you know, at the same time I was doing the research, I was looking for what we would put in the exhibit, you know, where were a variety of those licenses, account books. We had a bunch of account books and and that kind of thing in the exhibition, because I think there were a lot of myths about what tavern keepers did mm-hmm. and how serious they were about their business. And, you know, a lot of them were very serious about it and were able to make quite a lot of money as tavern keepers. It was a big um, business. It was right. It was absolutely a big business. Yeah. Yeah. It's expensive to get people drunk. I don't think people, I don't want to <laughs> oh, general, I don't want to generalize, yeah. but it's very expensive to run a business because oh, you have yeah. to buy all of that. I mean, most likely imported liquor, especially when you're Samuel Francis and you want the best and you're on the dock, you're going to have everything imported. You're going to spend the best you can because you're going to get your bang for your buck, but you also have to wait a couple of months for that to come in. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. When you went into this, did you and Christine have an idea of what you wanted the show to look like, or was it just kind of, we're going to go out, we're going to research and then figure out what the show will look like? Yes. I mean, I think, no, we didn't have any idea in the beginning. I mean, I think the first year was really doing the research and kind of putting together an object list of what we wanted to borrow Mm -hmm. and then trying to borrow it all, which was not always successful. Um, Most people give you stuff or... A lot of people did, surprisingly, but, you know, um, Francis is a small place and we borrowed from Winotour and Colonial Williamsburg and a lot of, you know, wow. big museums that had, you know, all kinds of different stuff. And always the loan negotiations, I think, no matter where you are, are challenging. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that definitely was part of it too, was, you know, how were we going to do this? And I remember we, we had these incredible copper measures a set that was actually made in America that we borrowed from a collector in Easton, Maryland. Oh, wow. Chris and I drove there and, and got them. Um, (laughs) And yeah, and we, we went all over the place picking this stuff up because again, museums today, they would never let you do that, but no, (laughs) no one, 
in the old days, you know, 40 years ago, for whatever it was, 35 years ago, you could, if you were a museum professional, you were able to do that. Did you, I know because it was kind of like throwing spaghetti at a wall while you're doing all of this research, but did you know that you wanted to do the whole museum or were you thinking it was going to be maybe one gallery and it just kind of snowballed into this big, huge idea. And then you were like, we're just going to do it. I think we did think that early on because when we got the money from the first, from the planning grant from NEH and we had a design team of these guys who were formerly at the Met. And so they had lots of, you know, ideas for us too. And so I, I think they, I think it was probably Chris's intention to put it, you know, to, to include the long room. I remember it as being a kind of afterthought, but, you know, it might've been in her head. Uh, I was busy on kind of trying to create the show itself Mm -hmm. because that's really what we had committed to do. And we had it throughout the museum on the, on that floor, your gallery area where the Tiffany cases and stuff were mm-hmm. and then, the, the, where everything is, it's basically upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. And then that big room, that the private, big room with no windows that or the one with the flags, both of those big rooms we had stuff in too. Yeah. I think we had the tavern signs maybe in the gallery. Um, yeah. We had stuff everywhere. Tell us about the book because the book came and it was basically, I mean, I have many copies. <laughs> I've taken many copies. They are still available at the museum when you are onboarded as an educator or a tour guide or a docent of any kind, or even as an employee, you are handed this book and you are basically told this is gospel. Kim <laughs> wrote this. She wrote it about taverns. She wrote it about Francis Tavern. Never question it. Oh, well, you could certainly question it, I think. That's fine. Um, The book, I don't think I realized exactly, again, what the book kind of got bigger than I probably had originally envisioned it. I I thought it was going to be mostly a catalog. Yeah. And of course, I had all this information because I had made all these trips and I so that I could actually do it. You know, I had these historical consultants who were there to sort of guide us through the interpretation, make sure we didn't make any, you know, false claims or any of that. And they were encouraging Mm -hmm. um, to do this. And so they all read the manuscript and made corrections and suggestions along the way too. That's incredible. Yeah, it was, it was intense. And the book was written in a very short amount of time, probably in a couple of months or maybe three or four months. That's what I remember. Because we're on this very tight time frame. The book was not published. I don't think when the show opened, it might have come like a couple of months later. And I learned a really important lesson from that is that, you know, you really have to be you know, you can't take on things unless you can stick to the timetable and finish them to, you know, what, what you agreed to do. And so I did do it. I did finish it, um, obviously, but it was a law. I mean, it was really, I haven't written a lot of other books. (laughs) I was going to say, I've never learned that lesson yet. Yeah. This uh, particular project, I had a lot of responsibility for how it turned out. And so that was, you know, writing the book became another part of what I was doing. 
So when you were doing research for the, for the exhibition, did you find anything about Francis that hadn't been discovered yet? I think I might've mentioned to you the wax, the two wax. These are, I don't know how to, what these are called exactly. There is a name for them. Oh, um, like what he had at Vauxhall, right? Right. Like Those the things that like he made. Wax show thing. Yes, this is mm -hmm. actually, though, these are small. They have a scene. One is a shepherdess that I'm remembering, and the other, I can't remember <laughs> what it is. And these were things that he and Mrs. Francis made for Washington and Martha Washington and presented them as gifts, maybe in New York. I Was it made out of seashells? Seashells and wax, yeah. I remember finding, I remember reading about this. Yeah, and the, the letters are in the Washington papers that present them. And I never knew what they were. And then I think I told you I was at Tudor Place in Georgetown, which is a house museum belonged to Martha Washington's niece. And they ended up with a lot of George and Martha things in mm -hmm. the house. And I saw these things up on a shelf and I said, what are those? And she <laughs> said, you know, it's funny. We don't know who made these, blah, blah, blah. And I, I recognized them. I mean, believe it or not. I mean, it was probably 10 years after the exhibit or more. And I I know where those came from. And I <laughs> and I went and got the letters for them and then they and they were in fact the same things. Oh my. So that's the only, you know, actual discovery I think that I made. It's like impossible. He's such an elusive person for somebody who's referenced enough yeah, and had right. such a close tie to Washington that I know. it's like he, you think he did this on purpose, like he washed his history away on purpose. You wonder, I, yeah, you do wonder about that. I didn't find anything. I think there was no aha moment. I think I had to add him. So I had probably written all of the book except the Francis part. And then I, I, I had stuff about him and then I had to go and do some more research Mm -hmm. in in order to get the, to put that chapter together because the exhibition was really the context it was was not really very specific to the tavern itself it was really about the role of taverns in every aspect of colonial life it really wasn't an afterthought that's like a too negative a word but it was <laughs> the focus was not on the actual specific history of the tavern yeah. Was there one object that you absolutely loved and were so excited to have? Gosh, I would say, I mean, I think some of the tavern signs were mm -hmm. pretty amazing. And so I was, you know, thrilled to get those because they are actually quite fragile. And so it's amazing um, that some of them are still preserved. I know it's amazing. And there's this incredible collection at the Connecticut Historical Society. They loaned us some of those signs. Um, and those were, yeah, those were amazing. And I actually grew up in Connecticut. And one of the signs was from, not from Essex where I grew up, but from very close to Essex. So that was cool. Is there and one piece that you wish that you got and received, but weren't sea, allowed sea, to? Yeah, John Greenwood, sea captains carousing in Suriname. <laughs> Didn't even did, hesitate. <laughs> we did not get that. And, and I think we actually 
tried twice Mm -hmm. and they were not convinced that we had a good enough rationale. It's super fragile. It's it's painted on a bed sheet. I don't think it's traveled much at all to other other museums, but I did go to St. Louis a few years ago for AAM and I went and saw it in person. I was like thrilled because I know who I am. I know. It's like, oh my God. And of course it's not as big as I thought it would be, or, you know, I mean, but it is amazing. It's a remarkable thing. Is there one funny story that you're willing to tell? The one that I, that sticks in my mind was when Chris and I were traveling around in this huge van. It was like a 26 foot rental truck that we borrowed, that we rented (laughs) And we started out in D.C. and we drove all the way to Maine, picking up objects along the way. And we (laughs) got pulled over in New Hampshire by the cops who thought we were smuggling cigarettes, which was apparently something that happened in those days because either New Hampshire or Maine had no tax. So they were looking for people who were smuggling. And when they went in the back of the truck, we said, oh, no, we're from a museum and and we're picking up objects to do with taverns. And then when they opened, they were like, it's they, definitely cigarettes. Right. They were very surprised to see, you know, a bunch of chairs and boxes and paintings and things like that and no uh, cigarettes anywhere. So they let us go. <laughs> but we were, but honestly, we were trapped there for you know probably an hour or two while they searched all over the truck looking for the cigarettes. It was ridiculous. And oh because gosh. we were on our way to the New Hampshire Historical Society, where we were also borrowing some amazing stuff, um, tavern signs and some drawings, I think, of taverns. So, <laughs> Did you yeah. have to do a few of those U-Haul trips or this was like your one big one and we're going to get everything fitting and then we're going to go home? We did two or three of them, I oh, think, wow. in different was directions. Was that the most challenging part about all of this? The most what a challenging part was driving that truck in New York City. Uh, yep. I, now that I think about the size of Pearl Street, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Getting it down there, we had to go come in on a Sunday, on a Sunday mm-hmm. to avoid the traffic. And, you know, I had to drive, I must've been the Holland Tunnel, oh. that truck. And it was scary. It was really scary. Sorry I mean, for laughing. Also, Chris <laughs> doesn't really drive. I mean, she does now, but she didn't then. And so I had to do, I did all the driving. Oh, and, you yeah. know, I drove over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge in that thing. And I mean, it was really Oh my. It was like we were way, it was like we were truck drivers. We were way oh above everyone. It was a huge truck. Definitely and, cigarettes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was really fun. That part was very, very fun. And we we had a good time doing that. Oh my. So driving the van was the most challenging but rewarding part of the it entire. Was, oh yeah, it was fun to see the stuff you know, to be able to, you know, see it as it was going in and then take it out when we got there. And then we unpacked everything. We had to do condition reports and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. And um, yeah, it was fun. (laughs) It was fun. I mean, I kind of want a career like yours. I mean, when you're handed, I see Allie laughing when you're handed this book and you're like, Kim Rice did this. And she worked on this huge exhibition that was a museum wide exhibition. And it really changed tavern Con- like context and history and how people view things and you're working at the only revolutionary war tavern museum 
kind of in Manhattan that has yes. both of these qualifications. Yeah. You're like, maybe she was onto something. Maybe she knows what she was doing. <laughs> so I, I remember, I do remember yeah. the day when you responded back to Allie's email of, would you be willing to help us out for the long room? And we like jumped around like giddy schoolgirls because we were like, Kim's going to help us. This is amazing. And then when we spoke to you the first time, it really like, I, I not, you know, I'm going to sound a little embarrassing, but it was really like an honor to meet you. Oh, well, that's so nice of you. I really appreciate <laughs> that. Of course. Yeah. Like, that's great. That's very, that's very, very nice. I, I enjoyed, I've enjoyed talking to both of you too. Um, <laughs> thank you. And good luck with all that you're doing. And I promise if I ever find the missing Samuel Francis story document, whatever, I will be sure to call. We will toast over it. Okay. And we make you All come right. and visit. All right. That sounds good. All right. <laughs> take care, you, both Kim. of you. Thanks. Thank you so, so much. A huge thank you to Kim Rice for taking the time to sit down with Mary and for humoring my outburst about wax figures. You can learn more about Kim's work on The Long Room on our website and watch a recording of the talk she gave for the museum back in April. Both links are available in the episode description. We'll see you next time for another episode of Tavern Talks. Thanks for listening.